Yeah, the 49ers are going to the Super Bowl, and uh, Kyle Draper standing by in Memphis, Weddy Gleason here in uh, Sacramento. Drapes, you know who else is going to the Super Bowl? Who? Your best friend, Emil Fergoso, just found out he got his <laughs> he got his credential approved, so Emil's going to the Super Bowl. How about that? Yeah, well, it, it should be bittersweet for him, right? A, a Raiders fan. Cover he seemed Niners. pretty happy. He seemed pretty That's excited. That's cold, man. That's cold. I'm just saying, he, is Ra- he a Raiders fan, right? I mean, you know, he got to be a little salty. The Niners like uh, might win a Super Bowl in his team's building. He uh, he didn't seem like it. So, wow. anyway, also I want to thank uh, one of the smartest listeners in radio, Eric Azevedo, on the chat for correcting me. I said the last time the Chiefs and 49ers played, it was a 49ers last game without Christian McCaffrey, but – Actually, he did play in that game. He didn't play a lot, but they had just acquired Christian McCaffrey. So, thank you, Eric. You're right. Yeah, he did play in that game, the Chiefs beating the uh, 49ers 44 to 20. Means nothing. He wasn't up to speed yet. Yeah, you're right. He wasn't. I don't even think he started. Wasn't up to speed, James. Yeah. So, he didn't know the playbook yet. Yeah, exactly. I'm not. Yeah. He he was fresh. He didn't even know the playbook yet. All right. He barely (laughs) didn't have nowhere to live. Stay in the hotel, man. Then, of course, you got that. Jay, what do you remember most about that Super Bowl? And I'm sorry to go there. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. Uh, Tyreek Hill, third and 12. Yeah. Richard Sherman, Gimpy, mm-hmm. coming, cutting across. I mean, they had, and it hurts my soul because I say this, and I don't get me wrong. Pat Mahomes probably would have went on to win a Super Bowl, but the Niners gave him a Super Bowl. As much as, you know, he won the Super Bowl, he was contained for most of the game. He did nothing, absolutely nothing for most of the game. Tyreek got off. Next thing you know, just like we saw yesterday, momentum swung. And, I mean, he didn't – I think he had one touchdown the whole game. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah. it is what it is. Tyreek Hill. You know – He's no I, longer there. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had today in the um, athletic, Tim Kawakami said, this this era of 49er football was justified by the win yesterday. I think they still need to win a Super Bowl. Yeah. But the point is, if they had lost yesterday and, – and um, Jay and I were talking about this a, a little bit ago – um, during the break, if the 49ers had lost yesterday, Drapes, it would have been just a tre- a tremendously bitter and almost shameful end of this year that started with so much promise. And then, you know, back when the 49ers lost that Super Bowl to the Chiefs, the 49ers, a lot of fans assumed, oh, they'll be back, they'll be back. Maybe they might be back often. Well, they almost didn't get, you know, if they lost yesterday, who knows if they ever get back. I don't know what's going to happen down the game, but – there was just a lot of relief in addition to joy. I think that's what you're seeing from 49er fans today. It's like, whoa, oh, my goodness, thank goodness they made it. Yeah, and, you know, if they would have lost, it would have been like, we can't get to the Super Bowl this year right? with this team right. against these guys? Yes, sir. Like, what are we doing here? Uh-huh. You know, like. We, Home field you know, advantage? Yeah. Yes. A bye? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, you're mm-hmm. right. Yeah, so. um we will see. I'm looking forward to it. we got two weeks of uh, get ready for the Super Bowl. As for tonight, we take you up to, as I've said, to game night and the Kings against the uh, Memphis Grizzlies. How about that game Saturday night, Kyle Draper? Woo, the Kings made it a little tougher than they had to, but all of a sudden this road trip, this, oh, no, this daunting road trip, off to a pretty good start. Yeah, and, and I love the job that they did against Luka. Remember, Luka was coming off 73 the night before, and – Sure, he got a triple-double. I think he had 17 assists. Looked great out there dishing the rock. But the Kings were determined not to let him beat them. And, you know, let's give props to my guy Harrison Barnes, too. He's uh, warming up right there. Uh, 
several big buckets down the stretch, mm-hmm. made his free throws uh, down the stretch as well. And so I could argue this is the best this team is playing. Really, when you look at it, Whitey, I'm even include the four-game losing streak because I thought they played excellent against Phoenix. I thought they played great against Milwaukee. Indiana, not so much. But since then, they played some great basketball. And I, I thought that was a huge win over Dallas. Now you got a team in Memphis, severely shorthanded, you know, one of the worst teams in the league. You get this win. You start off a seven-game road trip 3-0. and At worst, 3-4, and which isn't great, but it's not disastrous. Mm-hmm. You got a chance to go 4-3, and 5-2 and two on this road trip. Harrison Barnes has gotten to the point now where against Dallas, he had – I'd say kind of a quiet 20, right? Whereas before, it's like, well, you know, if he scored 15, we go, wow, nice game for him. He had kind of an understated 20. That's how everything has changed for him to the extent that he made two big free throws at the end. He's become the more solid Harrison Barnes that we were accustomed accustomed to seeing um, before this season. And I know we talked about it Friday, Kyle. Do you buy it? Do you buy into it? Do you believe in it? I do until proven otherwise. I see right. this and I say, yeah, there's no reason why that can't be, for the most part, repeatable going forward. Yeah, and the thing about HB, the other night, got off to a slow start, quiet, mm-hmm. only had four points in the first half, and I thought, uh-oh, he's resorting back to old yeah. HB, you know, yeah. that we saw earlier this season. But he came out with 16 points in the second half, and it just looks to be a different Harrison Barnes out there. You know, when you look at his numbers – The numbers have always been there in terms of efficiency. It's just he wasn't aggressive. He wasn't assertive. Like, he looks like a spring chicken out there. He looks like a guy that's going out there and getting it, taking it out there. And and that's, you know, it it adds so much uh, to this Kings team. And I also think, you know, we've talked about De'Aaron Fox, uh, his numbers being down. I'm noticing a different De'Aaron Fox in the fact, and I talked about about this with Matt Barnes on the pre- and post-game show, To me, De'Aaron Fox doesn't have to always be the guy right from the jump. Great players, and Matt Barnes echoed this, a lot of times they look to get the other guys involved Mm -hmm. because they know they can get theirs at any time. I don't need De'Aaron Fox, you know, shooting 25 times a game just to get his numbers or, you know, to get going. Like if Harrison Barnes can get 12 shots a game, if Keegan Murray can get 13, 14, Malik Monk, Kevin Herter – like, I think that's when this Kings team is at its best, not necessarily when De'Aaron is trying to be all-world out there because he needs help. I mean, if you're talking about as great as, you know, Jokic is, if Michael Porter Jr. doesn't have a significant role, if Aaron Gordon doesn't play well, if Jamal Murray doesn't become playoff Jamal Murray, they don't win the championship. And so I think what you're seeing is De'Aaron leaning on his guys a little more, learning that, you know what? Other guys can cook, especially early on, and then when needed, I can turn it on. I think those are still the three areas of potential growth for De'Aaron Fox. And remember, we're talking about a guy who is third-team all-league, so if he grows, I mean, he can become a true superstar. And we know that you know shooting more consistently from three is one area in which he's shown a lot of growth this year, becoming better defensively. And then thirdly, to your point, I agree with you, it's a matter of trust, learning to trust slash learning to set up teammates, which is a subtle point guard thing that not even all point guards are really expected to do anymore. But I think the more he does that, uh, the more difficult to defend this this Kings offense becomes. Yeah, and to your point, Whitey, if if I'm a star player, if I'm De'Aaron Fox, 
when other guys get it going, that makes it easier for me to get my numbers to score because then you can't help out as much. If teams know, oh, De'Aaron Fox, he's not going to pass the ball. He's just going to go for his. He becomes predictable and more easy to defend. I think with Harrison Barnes is clicking, Keegan Murray, both those guys I'm watching warm up right now. love seeing it. When those guys are cooking, uh, Kevin Herter, it's like, how are you going to help out and guard De'Aaron Fox when everybody else is hitting? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know we were talking Friday about the fact that it appears Mike Brown has some semblance of a, of a rotation now. Um, but uh, playing against Dallas, we had JaVale McGee, who I know was supposed to play, thought he was going to play against the Warriors, didn't play. But he played really well. Uh, it's ten and a half minutes, hit three or four shots. So uh, the whole thing seems to be clicking right now for Sacramento. And JaVale McGee came in and had a really nice game. Yes, he did. I, I thought he was huge uh, in that game. You know, you talked about his points. You know, it was mostly the starters, obviously, uh, that did the work. But JaVale McGee gives them energy, gives them a lob threat. You know, Davion Mitchell's playing, you know, more minutes now. He's making an impact. And so uh, I, I think this is the best this team has looked this season over this three-game stretch. And I think a lot of that is because they're looking more and more like last year. Would you agree? Yeah. I mean, look at the minutes. Barnes, yeah. 38. Keegan, 39. Domas, 36. Herder, 30. And De'Aaron Fox, 37. It's amazing when when guys actually start playing well and doing what they're accustomed to doing, how much better this Kings team looks. Because we knew last year this starting five was one of the best starting uh, five-man units in all of basketball. And that's why, you know, Mike Brown stuck with Harrison Barnes, stuck, you know, with Kevin Herter, went back to Kevin Herter. It's when they're right. It's an NBA record in terms of offense efficiency. They just haven't been right until recently here. And so I'm just watching them. I'm telling you, I, just the body language looks so much better, so much different, like a pep in their step, a focus out there. And so I, I, I'm looking for a, a nice win tonight, a big game tonight. Meanwhile, Domas says our record isn't what we think it can be. We'll talk about that, wrap up our thoughts today on this glorious uh, 49er Monday here to drive guys on Sacktown Sports. Your flagship station for the Bean Team, Sacktown Sports. Game night is coming up. Uh, take you to uh, Henry Turner, the High Flyer, and Scott Marsh. They'll get you all set for the Kings and the Grizzlies, bottom of the hour. Got the drive guys here. We're going to look at a piece that Sam Amick wrote about. Um, Domas in the athletics, excellent piece today. Before we get to that, Kyle, just to just to put a bow on that incredible 49er win, sounds like you are not buying the uh, analytics-driven theory that Dan Campbell made the right decisions by going for it on a fourth and short rather than the kick and the field goals, huh? No, because w- <laughs> what analytics doesn't take into account is emotion, momentum, psychology, all of that, you know, the analytics may say whatever Dan Campbell says they say, but being down two scores versus three scores psychologically is different. And so I, I just thought, you know, I like the one. I was okay with the one before the half, but the the two in the second half, I, I did not like at all. I, I thought you kicked the field goal to go up uh, three scores in the third quarter, and then in the fourth you kicked the field goal to tie the game. It, it just didn't make sense to me. Uh, there's a piece in The Athletic by a guy named Austin Mock, and he looks at the analytics of it, and he says, Dan Campbell made a bad decision, but he says it's not the one everyone is saying. He says, according to the analytics, 
it was solid. The reasoning was solid. The logic was solid behind going for it on fourth and two. And he says where he screwed up was by kicking the field goal at the end of the first half instead of going for it. We obviously will never know. I agree with you, though, that it did seem that Dan Campbell's mindset was, this is what we do. Therefore, we're going to do it failing to take into account, yeah, but this is the NFC Championship game against the freaking 49ers. Right, exactly. It it may be what you do and how you do it, but it it, it goes back. You're you're outsmarting yourself. You're outthinking yourself. You know, take the points. You got to lead. And and even though it's only a field goal, and we talked about it before the half, it's only a field goal, and maybe the Niners feel, you know what, uh, we, we held them to a field goal. But it could also go the other way, you know? They get a stop, like we saw twice in the second half. That gives them momentum also. And so I I, I just totally, even watching it, and it's not second-guessing or hindsight or anything like that, it was like, what are you doing, especially when you had a chance to tie the game? Don't you think if you were the Lions there and you saw the fumble, right after the 49ers, looks like maybe they're starting to come back, and then you had that fumble and then that Ayuk play, the ladybug catch, whatever you want to call it, don't you think that doubt had to really be creeping right. into your mind at that point? It's like, what is going on here? Yeah, yeah. If I'm correct, <laughs> didn't the Ayuk play come first? Because the Ayuk play, if I'm correct, came after the fourth and two. Mm-hmm. Uh, they decide the Niners get a stop. They go down the field. They get the 48-yard completion on the Ayuk play. That made it 24-17. to 17. And then you get the ball back. And then you fumble, and yeah. it's like, yeah, that that was the game to me right yep. there. That was uh-huh. the momentum. Like it, it was, the Lions should look shook. Their fans look shook. I felt shook. That was the turning point. Yeah, and then of course, then the 49ers tie it, take the lead. Lions have a chance to tie it and decide, nah, we're gonna go for it. That was <laughs> no, the one again. Tie it. I don't know what the analytics say, but when I saw that, I could not believe that they were deciding not to go for the tie. Uh, and the rest is uh, NFC history. Yes, it is history. Mm-hmm. Yes. I don't know how much you saw of it today, but um, interesting interview with Domas by Sam Amick. Among the things that really sticks out here, Domas says, our record is not what we think it can be. What do you think these Kings think their record should be? How good do they think they are as currently constituted? I think, and we can all agree, they left some games on, on the uh, table there. They, they left some some wins out there. And so when you look at their record right now, 26 and 18, I believe, you know, three or four more wins at, at least. I mean, I, I believe they feel like they could be in the category of the Clippers who right now have a four-game lead over them. And so you look at the Houston games, beat the Pelicans at least once, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Charlotte. I mean, so many games that they sort of just – you know, gave away Phoenix, Milwaukee. They should have a couple more wins, uh, you know, after beating those guys as well. And so I, I think this team feels like, you know what? They should easily be a, a, a top three team in the Western Conference. Mm-hmm. If you'd have told me that last week, I'd have thought, that's yeah, nice to think that. It's good to have yeah. confidence and everything. But but the way they've been playing, that seems more realistic to me. And it also, I look at the standings, and it looks to me like you've got Kind of two uh, groups of four here. Yeah. You got the Thunder, the, who lost to Detroit, by the way. Yeah. Thunder, T-Wolves, Clippers, Nuggets. Then there's a little bit of separation. Then you got that Kings, Suns, Pelicans, Mavericks pack, yep. which right now the Kings are on top of fifth place. That's a really good spot to be. But do you agree with me? There appears to be a little separation there 
between four and five? Yeah, 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 100%. You know, uh, I know there's still half a season left yes, to go, yes. but and there's time for a team to go on a run. But, you know, when you look at it, it, it seems that line of demarcation seems to be right there. Uh, hopefully the Kings can continue their high play and maybe sneak up uh, on, on the Clippers or, or the Timberwolves maybe come back crashing down to earth. You know what's interesting? When you look at their last 10 games, the Kings are 5-5. Five and five. Everybody else in the top uh, six are, have winning records. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Phoenix has been playing well despite uh, coming off uh, two straight losses. Uh, Minnesota, OKC. And so this is going to be a dogfight. And I mentioned, too, last week, their schedule in February, I'll have to look at it strength to schedule-wise. But I got to imagine it's it's probably the toughest in the league. February is a bear. And so in a month, we'll know much more about where this Kings team stands. I know Luka had that incredible game Friday. Yeah. A- unbelievable game. But then against the Kings, uh, after the game, what does he say? And I know he played, what, 40 minutes both nights, back-to-back. Yeah. So I get that. But he says, oh, I'm so tired, I can't wait to go to bed. I was like, ah. And he complains about it. Does he not complain about at least 95% of the calls I would say he complains about? Yeah, and and he got that technical in that game Uh against the Kings. I mean, the dude was looking to blow a top. Yeah. Yeah, he he does whine a lot. And, (laughs) you know, he's probably as great of a player as he is. He's not an enjoyable player to watch. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's not an aesthetically pleasing game. It's slow. Yeah. It's deliberate. And sure, he'll hit the big shots, and you'll think, man, how did he hit that? But it's not up pace and high flying and everything, you know. It's it, it, it's sort of like, you know, going to the dentist, you know. You go in, you don't want, want it, but then you come out and your teeth looking nice and white, and you're like, whoo, all right, I feel good. Same thing with Luca. if you're a Mavs fan. Man, this dude dropped 73. All right, it, it was a little painful at times to watch. You know, a lot, a lot of iso ball, but – you know, you witness history. And so, uh, you know what's interesting now? And, and maybe we'll have this discussion at some point. I hear a lot of Kings fans after that game, before that game, saying, you know what? I'm okay with not with not drafting Luka Doncic now. Now that we look back on it, seven years or five years or whatever, I'm happy we didn't draft Luka. And that's a narrative now that I thought we'd never be able to shake, like, I, I never thought Kings fans would feel that way. Yeah, I thought that was one of the things that was accomplished last year mm-hmm. is that no matter how you felt about that, you know, it didn't really matter anymore. I thought that last year got the Kings out from under that cloud, whether it's yeah. you, I'm glad they didn't draft him or, you know, maybe I would have, but it's okay, it worked out. I thought the organization got up, out from under that cloud. And the thing about Luka, too, a guy who should be who can pass that well, they should be easy to play with. Like Domas, you know he's easy to play with. Yeah. But I don't know that Luka is. I mean, you look at Jalen Brunson. He's an excellent player. He had to get out of there before we could really see right. how good he is. Yeah, yeah. And until Luka wins a championship, because now he has the reputation of great player, but can you win with him? Yeah. How, how far can you go? And so – uh, until he gets over the hump, he's going to have that reputation. All right, Drapes, as we head down the stretch here, can you share with us uh, one to three things that you are expecting or want to see from the Kings tonight mm. in this game against the Grizzlies? Well, this is one of those Rick Patino games here, Whitey. I say it often on this show, poor, hungry, and driven. And Rick Patino used to always say that talent will always win out 
as long as talent plays hard. And tonight is one of those nights. The Grizzlies' only chance to win this game is to outwork you. And so that was a theme uh, during today's uh, film session and today's um, shoot-around. It's like, forget the names on the back of the jersey. You still got to play hard. And so keep an eye on the 50-50 balls, the offensive rebounds, the lazy passes that lead to turnovers. The Kings limit those. We'll be all right. All right, Drapes. Thanks. We'll talk to you again tomorrow as Super Bowl week continues. Yes. Yeah. All right. Great job. Stick around. Uh, game night with Scott Marsh and the high flyer Henry Turner next right here on Sackdown Sports.